Hello, and welcome to Shockwave Solutions, where we bring to life real-world actionable insights for direct response marketers. Uh, I want to thank you, everybody, for joining us here today. Um, today, our topic, again, is going to be how to leverage your customer support teams so that they're making money. Um, and we're going to cover a few things like why you need to double down on outbound right now, three, uh, three things that most outbound customer service centers are screwing up, especially in today's environment, and then also... Um, why customer service is sometimes a reason for chargebacks and refunds. So before we do that, I'm going to do a quick intro to kind of just give you guys a little bit of background on Emma and myself. Um, but first, what I'd, what I'd like to ask for everybody is, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and send us a, a message here, or drop in a message in there that gives us a little bit of idea of the types of products that you guys are selling, services, or categories of businesses that you're in. Um, as you do that, it'll just help us to tailor the conversation a little bit more specifically to what you guys are doing to make it as relevant as possible so you get the most out of this time together. Um, so now on to intros. So for myself, my name is Travis Gomez. Um, I'm not a huge fan of public speaking in general, but uh, I really, really do enjoy helping uh, people solve problems. Uh, my background is in financial services. Uh, I ran a captive finance division for a couple of different manufacturing companies, uh, similar to like Ford Motor Credit is for Ford, but we did it for aircraft manufacturer and a medical laser company. And then 2001, I joined Cambridge Commerce, uh, where we provide merchant accounts to direct response clients. And so we've worked with clients from TV, infomercials, uh, direct response radio, print, online. Uh, and so that's kind of the space that I feel like I really kind of grew up in the direct response uh, industry itself. Um, and today, I feel like there's few people in the direct response space that understands the entire payment processing ecosystem as well as I do as it relates to direct response marketing. Um, and that knowledge has helped me lay out some strategies with different clients to help them scale a number of different uh, campaigns from literally zero starting out to multiple millions of dollars in monthly sales uh, within a short period of time. Um, and in fact, that's kind of where Emma and I connected. Uh, Emma was responsible for all the operation stuff that we did with a couple of different clients. And uh, she was just consulted on direct response clients on the back end on operations. And we just kind of found this nice synergy in working together uh, that allowed us to to just kind of combine uh, what we're doing on the payment processing strategy side, and then also her experience when it came when it comes to like operations, logistics, direct response. She's got a background in health and nutrition, uh, psychology, and forensic science, and so just kind of bringing all that together. Um, and she was really instrumental in helping a couple of my clients just scale. And so that was a lot of fun to go through that process with her. Um, the reason we started Shockwave, and one of the reasons why we're doing this call today is. Um, we just saw a gap uh, between the creative marketing strategies that a lot of really sharp direct response marketers had, and then when it comes to implementing and executing. And so uh, many times we see those, those clients go from this great potential, but not being able to put in place the systems uh, and the structure to support the growth that, that was there for that potential. So a lot of consultants in the space, I, I found that they tend to focus on what you should do, but very few of them actually come in and help you actually execute and implement it effectively. And ultimately that's what our goal is, is to help our clients build those systems, the sustainable systems so that they are sustainable without us. And then we can transition off to other clients and that allows them to have that platform to just continue to grow and scale. So um, that's Shockwave, that's myself and a little bit of background for Emma. Emma, I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to add. That was perfect. That. All right, cool. So uh, jumping in, what's coming up? 
I think right now we're going to talk a little bit about what's the environment is today. I think there's a lot of companies that are nervous about uh, a recession that's coming up and maybe spending and marketing right now. Um, so I think we're going to touch a little bit on that also because that's kind of coloring, I think, the impact of the environment where, that we're in today. We're all realize that there's some things kind of on the horizon and changing and looming a little bit. Um, and to speak to that, what I'd like to do is kind of just essentially look back um, on my own time when I remember back in 2007, 2008, we were doing a lot of infomercials, a lot of direct response clients, a lot of marketing. And I know this is substantially different, but at the same time, what I saw in that space, and this is one of the reasons why I'm actually really optimistic about where today is going to, what the potential is for where we're going in the next several years. Um, what I found is a, a lot of direct response companies actually did really, really well last time around. Um, why? Because they knew their metrics. They knew if their media was profitable right away. A lot of general brand advertising companies don't know if they're profitable. They're spending the money, they're investing, but they don't know how to drill down to just am I profitable in the marketing we're doing today? And so I think that's a great advantage that a lot of direct response brands and companies and products have in the environment, especially when it comes into a recession time period, if that's where we're going to be. Um, another thing that I noticed was that a lot of health and beauty companies actually did really well. Uh, there's different reasons for that, but I think on one level, there's this great um, health beauty kind of feels like, like they're treating themselves a little bit, right? They may not go out and spend uh, several hundred dollars on getting their hair done and manicures and all this other stuff. But, you know, maybe they'll drop a little couple hundred bucks on something that they can do in, in their house, right? Something to make them feel better about themselves, to get fit, to feel healthier, to, to uh, look better. And so I think that's one of the reasons why health, beauty, personal development, all those types of things uh, do well in a down economy. And so another reason why I really appreciate the direct response stuff that we're in. Um, and I don't know if you have any other thoughts that you want to kind of share about that background before we get into our customer service topics. Nope. No, nothing, nothing. Let's just get into what's working. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's jump in. Um, let's jump in. So I think one of the things that we want to obviously talk, talk about is customer service. Um, I think it's a perfect opportunity right now to be, to be utilizing outbound customer service effectively and efficiently. Um, so we've worked with a number of clients in the space um, over the last couple of years, and Emma's really done a great job for our clients when it comes to uh, the impact that customer service has, both inbound out and outbound. Um, you know, we worked with a number of call centers. We found that there's one in Jamaica, uh, Happy Customers, that we work closely with, and they've got uh, you know dozens of clients that we've worked with there. Um, hundreds of offers. One's very, very large, multi you know multi-story building. So there's there's lots of space and capacity for them to grow. They've got a great staff and they really have some meticulous systems, uh, both in hiring, training, onboarding, uh, so that every customer can, uh, every client can maximize and optimize their customer support team to the fullest. Um, in addition to just customer service and support, uh, one, of the, one of the majorities of our clients utilize uh, their support for operations specialists also. So our ops agents will maintain uh, and manage areas like fulfillment information, uh, merchant accounts, they're pulling data, uh, putting it together daily so that you know our chargebacks on in line and where our refunds at. Um, is there a problem? Do we are we seeing a spike? What's going on? Um, quality assurance for tech and and a lot of other maintenance type of tasks that uh, just eat up a lot of clients' times when it comes to day to day operations. Um, and it's a low cost, right? So it's it just it makes a lot of sense for a lot of our clients. And then this allows our customer support and operations to 
to not only be really, really cost efficient, but also work in conjunction real time with one another by leveraging the opportunities to save and add value to, to the client and save revenue, uh, sorry, uh, save expenses on that. So a few examples of this is going to be like things like alerting fulfillment in real time. If there's an issue, right? Voids are coming up or refunds are, are happening. Um, what's happening, what's driving that. And so it's not just a matter of, um, you know, seeing that they're happening, but then proactive reporting and response so that you know what's going on, you know what the status is of, of your business real time. Um, also, they're noting other types of fulfillment issues that are coming up, right? Um, uh, orders on invoices, um, you know, if, if there's delays, uh, things that customers are calling in about and they're seeing those things, they're like your front line, so they know what's going on on the customer service side. And then collaborating on strategies when, uh, when needed regarding fulfillment issues, um, reviewing high chargebacks, refunds uh, due to outside sources or other types of mitigating, uh, you know, in, in a way to mitigate those things that are coming up. And then they catch the patterns really, really quickly. Um, I don't know, Emma, do you, do you have like an example when it comes to one of the things that we've seen our customer service reps do when we're working with them on catching patterns, helping identify those issues proactively? Sure. So um, most recently, we had a client who sources everything from China and Chinese New Year came up and no one knew that they weren't going to be shipping for, I think it was 10 days. <laughs> And it was actually our customer service team and our ops team for that account that realized on day three that nothing had gone out because it normally had a two-day turnaround time. So they were the ones that actually realized it alerted, it, alerted us to it, and then we were able to set expectations properly for the customers who thought that they were getting things in five to nine days. Yeah. Um, and so while we're managing the accounts on a high level, Right, our clients make sure that that every team has written standard operating procedures. They know exactly uh, things that every action that they should be taking real time, and then our policies on refunds, uh, the steps in the process of that refund. Every agent will perform that task the same way every time, and follow the same standard operating procedures that we put into place. So, um, yeah. So I'm gonna kind of pivot now. I'm gonna into the topics that we're gonna be talking about. Um, you know, when we're talking about customer service, right, doubling down on outbound customer service, mm -hmm. um, when we look at that, where, where do you, why do you think there's such a big opportunity right now in outbounding customer service? Where do you see that there's a lack of what do you see as the opportunity from that perspective? That's a great question. So <clears throat> over the past few weeks, we've seen a huge uh, dip in ad spend for our clients, which we don't recommend right now, but that's another topic. Um, <laughs> um, but we've seen a huge dip in, in that. So there was a lot more space in between incoming calls and emails. And so we started saying, okay, how do we utilize these customer service agents so that you know, they're paying for themselves? People are home right now and people are home and they're lonely and they want to talk about anything that you want to talk about. So whether it be giving them knowledge in um, product lines that they're already purchasing and alerting them to other products in that line or discussing uh, products that they've never seen before because it's a, you know, several of our clients have several companies and offer several different product lines from hair and skin to testosterone, you would never think that those two would sell to the same person, but guess what? They do. Um, 
so just having the girls uh, and guys, I would say girls, but having our customer service agents reaching out to our customers, educating them. And then also there's a huge plethora of leads that most um, digital marketers are sitting on in their CRM, whether it be Shopify, Limelight, Connective, whatever, they have declines that are sitting there that no one's thinking to touch or go back on three months later. They may have the money now. Um, it may be that they put their credit card information in wrong. It may be our biggest thing that we see is the CVV and the zip code. People aren't putting that incorrectly. International, if you have international sales, there is such a postal code and a zip code is very confusing to someone who lives in England. Believe it or not, you'd think it would be so simple. But having the girls walk through, girls, I keep saying that, having agents walk through um, the sales process with them and actually placing the order for them or helping them place the order if they prefer it that way really is boosting our conversions. And even more than that, our partial carts or abandoned carts, depending on what platform you're on. When you're pulling, when we're pulling those and we're pulling them from a year back, we're seeing a pretty decent um, conversion rate right now across the board for our customers in all niches. Um, just because people want to talk to someone, they want yeah. some contact. And there's no, there's always that piece in the demographic of people who are older and retired. There's always that opportunity there. Um, not so much in the younger demographic. And so we've always utilized it um, with our clients, with the older demographics, but now we're spilling that over to all and it's working well because people are home, people are answering their emails. People who right. never answered their phones before are answering their phones and we're using text message. So if you're on Ring Central, calling a customer two times you know, on a schedule and then going, okay, let's send them a text message. Hi, this is Mandy from X company. Just calling to discuss with you a declined order you made a purchase for X product. And then calling that customer right away, we're seeing about a 30% increase in answers by texting first and telling them mm -hmm. who you are. And they know you're calling to sell them something. That's the funny part. <laughs> they, know, they know you are. Well, let's, let's, let's uh, pivot there for a second, right? Because sure. um, in today's environment, right? So with all the stuff that's going on, right? All this anxiety, all this kind of nervousness or anxiousness that we see a lot of people are having. Um, mm -hmm. how do you work with customer service to adjust the tone, right? Are you making, or is it outbound? Is it an aggressive call center tone? Is it, you know, calling to get a new order coming in? Are we, you know, what's the process there that you're using that's to adapt the one to what's thing, going on? That's the one thing we haven't changed. Okay. We're soft sell, always soft sell. We are our number one. So one of the things that we do with our customer service agents always is we give them a goal. If they have a goal of the call, the goal is not to sell. Mm -hmm. We give them a goal of the first thing is to build rapport with that client, whether they purchase from you or not, we're building rapport with them. The second thing is to raise their AOV or sell to them. And the third, because you want to come back to it not being about sales. The third thing is to make sure that you're mitigating always against chargebacks, against refunds, and leaving the customer satisfied and happy. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking to them like we're buddies, they're way more you know, likely to purchase from you. And so in 
today's world and what's going on around us right now, generally I spend about 15 to 20% of my time in customer service. Right now, it's, there's so much opportunity for revenue. I'm spending 80% of my time on strategy, on going over SOPs and changing them, going over, we don't do scripts, we do outlines at Shockwave because we want the girls and guys to be having conversations with our customer base, um, our client's customer base. So we're reviewing those outlines and we're really getting the agents to a build rapport to allow people to talk about the, their anxieties. There's no time or ever on our calls. There's no quotas for our calls. Make that customer feel like you're the only person in the world that you want to talk to right now. And you're 100% active listening to, and all of our agents also do active listening, um, an active listening course, but you're active listening, you're engaging, and you're following up with questions of what they've said. So I'm feeling really irritated right now. You're feeling really irritated right now? How so? So just, you know, always having that, you know what I'm saying? Just always having that engaging um, moments with the, the customers on the phone so that they feel like you're their friend, not some customer service agent in Jamaica or wherever, wherever yeah. you're utilizing your customer service. So do you mind if we get like a little bit more granular in that? Because I feel like sure. building rapport is kind of vague, right? So, so okay. what's, what's, if we're talking to, to clients that are considering doing outbound, what's the strategy? How do you go about building rapport? What's the way that you engage that customer without them feeling like they're, because uh, I feel like, I feel like right now in today's environment, consumers are sensitive to being like pitched or sold or trying to make money off of them. Right. And so I feel like they need to, there needs to be a little bit more sensitivity in what's happening emotionally right and so when they're calling out are they you know how do you build rapport without without trying to sell somebody you see what i'm saying i do um we're not but we're not calling and saying like hey you were buying a brain health product and it didn't work let me sell it to you or, <laughs> or you know it didn't it didn't go through let me sell it to you they're asking things like um i happen to see that you had attempted to run an order through for X product, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it came back declined. I know that our system sometimes, because you always want to take the blame on you. You don't mm. want to make it seem like they didn't have the money or they didn't know what they were doing, right? So yep. I know that our system sometimes glitches. I wanted to call and see if there was any way that I could help you um, facilitate this. By the way, um, you know what interested you about the product? Mm -hmm. Why I love doing that with customer service, because another thing that we do is we keep tons of metrics. So we try and document key points of everything customers say. So when customers tell us things about our marketing and, and copywriters who have worked with me love this because when they go to do the intros, you know, everybody refreshes their intros. Everybody's going through, whether it's text or VSL and they're refreshing stuff so that it looks different. It feels a little bit different, but right. here's what your customers are calling about. The reason why they wanted to buy. Here's why um, they were drawn to this product. So they can elaborate on that as, as time goes on. But back to your question. So then we utilize, then we utilize what the customer told us to start a conversation. And it's very simple. Like let them into your world. I tell our agents that all the time without giving them 
advice that's going to, and I see Damon Wright is on the call, so not giving them advice that's going to get us in trouble with the FDA, Damon, or Ryan, um, yeah, whoever, but, yeah. <laughs> or whoever, but, um, but, but just letting them into your world, like, you know, oh, I'm buying this probiotic for my son. Oh, I have a five-year-old. How old is your, your son? Oh, he's six. Oh, you know, just, just, you know, having a conversation, right. being, being another human being on this planet, you know what I mean? And just having a conversation. And when people bring up things that, you know, they're worried or concerned about or whatever, listening, active listening, and don't try and solve their problems. That's the big mistake I think a lot of agents make is they're like, this is going to solve your problem and this is going to be great. You're setting the expectation to be foolish, right? You're just mm -hmm. an empathetic ear. That's all people want. That's good. That's good. So, so then looking into the types of outbound calls, uh, declined orders, right? Uh, abandoned carts, partial orders, right? Um, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about what you're looking for in each of those? And if you have a different type of tone, or is it just, you know, um, or even like customers that are recently ordered, right? And what's that engagement? So they, you know, outbound, hey, there's a problem with our system. How can we, you know, what do you do with our product? Or, or you know, it, were you having trouble ordering? What can I do to help you? And it's very much a tone of trying to accommodate and assist them as opposed to trying to sell them. Right. Right. Um, and we don't just call people who didn't order. Okay. We call right. every customer, um, for most products. This is obviously something we have to split test. Right. So there are some products, usually ones with very aggressive marketing that if you call them after they've placed an order, they will refund at a high rate. So you want to, mm. you know, you want to split test that and know that first. Um, and then you don't call those customers, but for the most part, most customers you can call just to simply say, hi, I was just confirming your shipping address within 12 hours of their order. I was just calling to confirm your shipping address and make sure that your apartment number, I didn't notice an apartment number. Do you have an apartment number? Just stuff like that. And, and we're not, we have a computer system that actually verifies <laughs> their address. We're not verifying their address. We're building rapport with that customer and the the opportunity to raise the AOV today and the opportunity to raise the lifetime value of that customer by building rapport. My name is Jenna and here, you know, you have my phone number. If you need anything at all, let me know, call back anytime. If you have any questions, call back anytime. Those little things will really engage your customers and keep them, you know, you know, their lifetime value higher, but you yeah. also have so much opportunity I mean, those of you that are in supplements or have seen supplements, you know that, you know, you get your upsell, your step one, your step two. When you call a customer and you say, well, I did notice that you, you know, declined our VIP pricing um, for, it, let's pretend it's a joint health product and now it's a, a cream for, for joint health. I did notice that you declined our VIP pricing for the cream. I can give you an extra 10% off that today. 10% is nothing, right? And yeah. give you an extra 10% off that today. Did you want me to add that for you? If not, no problem. Soft sell, just soft sell. You'd mm -hmm. be surprised if 10% 10 10 of people, you know, take it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want higher percentages than that, but if 10% take it, it just made that worth it because that's a customer service agent that's sitting there anyway. Right. You're, you're paying to sit there anyway. So why not utilize them to bring that revenue in? And we're seeing over and over again where our agents are not, only paying for themselves, but you know, we're paying a CPA on that order. You raise that, you know, that AOV, 
It's, it's a no-brainer, honestly. What we're seeing is a no-brainer. We've gotten very aggressive in our outbound the past two weeks, and I am sad that we didn't do this long ago because <laughs> we're having whole teams pay for themselves in a week's time for the whole month. Right. Um, one of the things that I remember us talking about previously was uh, uh, on products that don't have continuity or reoccurring, right? When you're doing like a stock up or a load up um, and having a customer service uh, team reach out to the customer can just, hey, just wanted to confirm your address. Okay, fantastic. And then later they call again, hey, I wanted to make sure you got your product, you know? And, um, and for this client, there was a magnet that was an insert in the pack, the packaging, remember? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I do. And so do you want to, can you talk a little bit about that strategy and how, how you engage the customers from that perspective? Kind of, it's a continuing ongoing rapport building process, right? Right. Sure. So for that client, um, we would call for shipping address as well. Mm -hmm. And on that call, if they only purchased one bottle, instead of trying to go step one or step two, we actually tried to sell them the three bottle option instead. And we brought up the fact that for one bottle, it was $69. For three bottles, it was $49 a bottle. But for one bottle, you had to pay shipping. For two, you didn't. So they only actually paid like 51 more dollars for three bottles. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Most people can't do that math in their head when they're sitting there and they're getting that upsell in front of them because it's not as black and white or painted to them. So customer service would paint that to them in, in that moment. And then we had, uh, with this in particular client, we just had an issue with another product on chargebacks so we the whole point of the magnets it was so funny because the whole point of the magnets was make sure customers know that the phone number so they can call and refund rather than charge back this right. way we don't have the problem with this this product either we were just looking at ways to mitigate against chargebacks well when we did the shipping call the the i'm verifying your shipping address call one of the things that we did with this um strategy is we had the customer service agents saying to the customer, just so you know, when you get your um, supplements, you get your package in the mail, there'll be a magnet in there with our name and our phone number on there. Go ahead and stick that on your fridge. And if you need a reorder, or if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me directly. My name is Mandy, or you can talk to anybody who answers the phone. I'll be happy to help you. And in addition to that, we gave them little tips like, remember to take your supplement every day. This uh, helps them use the supplement and order more, right? right so remember to take the day. supplement at the same time every day. Um, if, it's, if it was one of the supplements that they didn't take with food, because it was one that they took with food, set an alarm or what I like to do, this is what the customer service agents would say, what I like to do is when I'm brushing my teeth every morning, I just take it right after that. And it just creates a habit where you do it, you know, day after day after day. Um, and we found that that worked really well. And then we noticed we put on the magnet at the bottom VIP coupon code, 25% off. And then it had an asterisk that said for 90 days, because our address was, um, uh, um, I'm sorry, our, the, the mag, I'm trying, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember. So the magnets were, this in particular magnet went to people who ordered three bottles or more. So it would mm -hmm. say within 90 days, the asterisk was within 90 days of VIP pricing. The reorders from the magnets, because we put a different 800 number on it, right? Split test everything, oh, yeah. know where everything is coming from. And so, you know, we had the girls keep 
the girls, the agents, the agents, the agents, the agents, sorry. Uh, we'd have the agents keep track of where these were coming from. We had one 800 number for the bottles, one 800 number from the website, one 800 number for the magnets. The reorders were really, really huge, huge, mm. not off email, not off the insert, not off the website, off the freaking magnet. <laughs> right. So funny, right? Something so simple, right? But then it gives you something to engage the customer about. Right. Um, okay. So, um, I'd like to kind of move on to that, to the second question, which we were kind of talking about like ways that customer service from an outbound customer service center, um, top three things that they tend to be screwing up, right? Where are they making mistakes? What's, what's the, you know, what are they doing that, you know, what, what should they be doing that they're not doing? I think it's probably the best way to phrase that. Um, and so I think there's a couple different areas. Um, you know, I, I think you and I have talked about this before, but I, I think one of the main areas is just simply a, a lack of, um, you know, product knowledge, right? So they're calling out mm -hmm. about a product, but then they don't really have a good uh, information about the product itself or they're unfamiliar with the product, right? So it, what do, what are we doing when we're working with agents, when we're teaching, you know, teaching them or going through our process for training, what's the tech that you take with them on equipping them to, to know that? the product specifically? Sure. So um, when we start with clients, you and I, you don't know any of this because you don't do, <laughs> this side of, don't do this side of it. But one of the first things that we do is my um, executive assistant and myself will call their customer service. Mm. And we'll, we'll basically say, you know, when we're on a call with them, you and I, you know all about their product because you're talking to them from a merchant account aspect. I don't give a shit about their product at that point. Like I'm talking about you know, where we fit in operationally, marketing structure, so on and so right. forth. Um, so I usually come in not really knowing that much. And so I call their customer service agents to try and find out what they sell, how they sell it, how much they charge, what type of discounts can customers get, what type of um, marketing strategy does their CS team right. have? What do they know about the product? And over and over and over again, we find that they know how to do a refund. They know how to do a void. They know how to um, help process an order. And that's about it. They can't answer very much. The words, I'm just customer service, I don't know, are said so often. And so one of the things that I love about the, um, the agency we work with is that product knowledge training is very much invited. Um, and so when we onboard a new client to a customer service team over there, we literally get them hands on, whether it's a penis pump, literally hands on, or <laughs> we've done this, or uh, Ricardo's on the call, so I know he's laughing hysterically right now, or it's a supplement or it's a food product. We have one client that does um, baked goods, keto baked goods, and we're renting an Airbnb out there. I should have been there a couple of weeks ago, but <laughs> times change a little bit. Times change a little bit. Um, but once everything clears up, I'll go down there. We'll all go to an Airbnb and we will bake every single every single product that they sell. Why doesn't the bread rise? I want our agents to be able to explain to them from experience, from firsthand knowledge, why the bread doesn't rise. This uh, penis pump is pinching me. I want them to be able to know exactly why 
everybody in the room is dying. Um, I want them to know exactly what they need to tell them. Well, you need to use the trim portion of what you got in the package and trim it up and that's what's going on. So we want them, no matter what it is, to comfortably be able to have these conversations, to know the product, right. like they know something that they use every single day because the customer is going to use this every single day and they want someone who's knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. When you have someone who's knowledgeable answering your questions, answering your concerns, not only are they going to be fantastic at retention, they're going to be fantastic at selling. Who can sell you something better than someone who uses the product every day? Right. And I think that's probably the second area, right, is, is beyond training, right? You have uh, sometimes a lack of confidence, right? Because mm -hmm. if they're not familiar with the product, how can they be confident in speaking about it? How can they be comfortable right. talking about it? Um, they can't. They go on an ops <laughs> team and they update spreadsheets. <laughs> um, and uh, do you, so is that really, is that, when you're looking at the customer service agents and you're evaluating for our clients, is that one of the things that you're evaluating specifically is uh, their level of confidence as they're communicating about the products, right? Like, how are you discerning that? How are you choosing agents to work on our clients' campaigns, uh, either for inbound or outbound, either one? That's a, a great question. However, for the past year since we've been using um, our you know, this agency exclusively, I haven't had to do that because they do that. Mm. They, they utilize, um, number one, they utilize a testing process. You don't want an introvert answering your phones, period. Introverts are great. We love introverts, <laughs> right? But you want an extrovert answering your phone. Um, and, and so they're giving them tests. They're interviewing them in person several times. And then when we get to the onboarding process where we're training, that's my opportunity to evaluate them really because they hire for us. So mm -hmm. I'm not really involved in that, but I will say when you're hiring customer service agents, you want people who are engaging you. If you're asking them questions and they're giving you one word answers, they're not going to make a good agent. You want them right. talking back and engaging you. And if they're not asking you questions, you, I, I find that the best agent, and um, I think uh, Ricardo would agree with me on this, are the ones that interview you back. You mm -hmm. ask them one question and they answer it and follow it, follow your question up with a question and completely, the ones that mind fuck you during an interview and you end up giving them tons of information and you're just walking away like, okay, those are the people I, I hire um, for sure. Um, but they stack our teams for us. And while I'm evaluating them before the client ever sees them, before the client ever has a conversation with them during my evaluation process, I'm just making sure that they're engaging. You can teach someone a lot of things. You can't teach them personality right, um, right. and engagement Those and problem solving. Do they solve problems? You know, my key trick, like I love to pretend like I've lost my keys when I'm evaluating someone. Because if they help me look for my keys... I know that they're, they're, they're going to jump in. Seriously, if yeah. you start looking for your keys everywhere and you look at someone and give them permission, hey, do you see my keys over there? If they don't start looking, never hire them. No matter what position it is, they're not a problem solver. They're not going to jump in and help you. They're lazy. They're going to do the bare minimum to get their paycheck. That's it. It's a great Super great tool. tip. That's a great tip for evaluating really? anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think you, you touched on this uh, briefly at the towards the beginning of our conversation today um, about um, not having a goal in mind, 
right? So, because if somebody's um, on an outbound uh, on an outbound team and they're reaching out and they're just trying to make a sale, if that's their goal, right? So, t- so talk to me how what type of goals do you set for our outbound agents when we're working with them? What's the goal? Is the goal just to sell a product, or Never. do you have like a higher goal? What, what's the, how do you set that up? Never. Um, we have sales teams. We do have sales teams um, that do nothing but sales. Those are mm-hmm. not customer service agents. Those are people who are aggressively trying to sell. That's great. That's all good and fine. I'm talking about completely separate from that. I'm okay. talking about our customer service agents that are trained to do outbound calls to capture sales that were lost, whether it's um, a, a partial order or a decline and customer service agents who are trained to increase that AOV, whether the customer is calling in or we're calling them. Mm-hmm. And so their goal is always, always build rapport, make the customer happy, always. And so if we can, if we can teach and train them to worry about, is the customer gonna be happy when you're, when, trying to think how to put this in words we should practice this um um is the customer going to be happy about what you did what the outcome of the call the outcome of the call is a whole bunch of extra shit great that's awesome but are they going to be happy about it because if they're not don't do it right just don't do it so we want them to feel like they've gotten value you know that our products are good right you know that our products are great but if it's not going to bring that customer value, which not every product you sell is going to bring every customer value, there's, there's no way that I want you selling them that because if you sell them two more things, the core product that they purchase, they're not going to be happy with either. If also, if they feel like they've been Screwed. bombarded and sold, right? Yeah. Uh, you took every dime you could out of me. You just sucked me you know, dry for whatever I would give you. They're not feeling like you've added value. Now, right. if you are, you know, giving them value because, Hey, you know, I noticed you ordered this joint health product. I really think this cream is a fantastic addition to it. And by mm-hmm. the way, we also have this nighttime formula with collagen that will, you know, really work wonders for you. Great. But if you're selling them stuff that, you know, it, it you're just selling it to sell and you're just pushing and pushing on someone who you're taking advantage of. That's just, you know, that's not what we're trying to do here. That's right. completely different. So we train them. Like if this was, your grandmother and your grandmother had joint health issues and these three products would work for her. You're telling your grandma about it. That's mm-hmm. how you, that's how you act. These are your friends and your family members. And you know about this product that works really well. We all have that product that we use. that works really well. And we share that with our friends because they work really well. That's what these right. agents are doing. Right. Well, I think that kind of feeds into this, this third topic of, uh, you know, what are the things that are that your customer support or uh, outbound either one uh, are the reason for your chargebacks, right? Or chargebacks and refunds. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have the saying from a payment processing perspective, I always look at it as, um, you know, there's, there's different types of chargebacks. There's like real fraud, right? Where mm-hmm. you have somebody stealing a credit card and then trying to jam it into as many online sales as they can, right? Or they're, you know, downloading databases of stolen credit card data or whatever, like real fraud like that, right? Mm-hmm. But when I look across the board uh, through my portfolio of clients, you know, thousands of merchant accounts, that almost, it, it's not that it never happens, but it almost never happens. Yeah, almost right? never happens. <laughs> very, very few and far in between. It's usually affiliate fraud. Right, right. right. So, so what's the main driver of chargebacks and refunds? So when I look at it, 
it usually boils down really to friendly fraud as opposed to you know real fraud. And mm-hmm. friendly fraud, for all the different reasons, uh, you know, oh, you know, I got this and uh, I didn't recognize the descriptor, or I got it and it didn't work. I thought I was going to lose, you know, uh, five pounds and I gained two. You know, <laughs> or, or I thought I'd get it uh, tomorrow, like Amazon, and it took you know a week to get it <laughs> to my mailbox. And so when I, when I look at what's really the root cause when it comes to chargebacks for uh, those products is it's really a mismanaged customer expectation, right? All those reasons really, really boil down to one thing, they mismanaged the expectation. So where did that expectation get set and where did it get mismanaged? So is it, if, it, if, it's, if it's getting mismanaged on the front end on the marketing side, right? Really great copy. We're digital marketers. We're we're always giving ridiculous <laughs> expectations. Like let's be <laughs> let's be let's clear be honest, on right? that. Let's be honest on that. Um, but with a well-trained customer service uh, uh, team, you can mitigate a lot of that. Right. And we've seen it time and time and time and time again. Um, yes. I recall for one of our customers, there was a a Bank of America employee who laughed at us and said there was no way we could get his chargebacks down in 30 days and then called us a month later and said how did you do that we're going to send you some can I introduce you to some other clients yeah (laughs) yeah can you can you come help out a few other clients um so so and it really boils down to good customer service but also good good training and good product knowledge and so customer service is only going to be as good as as you train them with their product knowledge so let's go back to the chargebacks for a a minute and then we'll go into refunds but for the chargebacks number one making sure the customer knows how to reach out to customer service um and and so billing descriptors are one thing. Once you have a billing descriptor, you know, and I know you can't go backwards on that. It's very difficult to go backwards on that. You may not be able to fix that. Getting your billing descriptors right for those of you who might be coming out with a project in, uh, project, yeah, a product in the future, getting those billing descriptors right will save you a ton of money on the back end. But no. here's, how, here's what, what saddens me is a lot of marketers don't even realize how much money they're throwing away on chargebacks. Um, those $50 fees plus the money they lose, even if they get it back in the end, they've still lost a ton of money, not only fighting it, but also, you know, in fees, cause you never get the fees back. Even if you right. get the dollar amount back, you never get the fees back. Um, and then a lot of times the customers go back and say arbitration. <laughs> so then you lose the fee a second time, um, on a $70 product, you spent a hundred bucks on chargebacks. Um, so so knowing that all of that money sitting on that table is just being thrown away and how to fix it is, is step one because your customer service team can pay for itself with that alone if you, if you have a chargeback issue. Right. Um, having your, your customers know how to reach out to customer service, like I said before, is very key. If it's a physical product, having them be able to, um, you know, inserts, magnets, and magnets were like 11 cents, I think, or something like that, a piece. It wasn't very expensive at all. Um, inserts cost you next to nothing. It's just a piece of paper with like, hot, you know, some facts about the supplement and then customer service number with a coupon code for next time to get them to buy more. It's not, right. it's not real hard. If you have an info product or a member site, making sure that your phone number is all over that. Um, is super helpful, but then your customer, your customer service, knowing how to do retention 
right? Mm -hmm. So now this goes into refunds and save you a ton of money on retention. But if their goal is to retain again, you may end up with people so aggressive. Okay, I'm not going to fight with you on the phone. I'm going to hang up and call my bank. Right. So you have to teach them that line as well. So knowing, okay, when to go ahead and say, all right, I understand that you weren't happy. I've offered you, you know, free other products, free info products. I've offered you partial refund. You're not buying into any of it. You're, you know, you're not happy. Clearly, let me go ahead and give you a full refund. Having them know that line, which also is part of active listening because a lot of them are just mm -hmm. If you, if you call your customer, by the way, call your customer service. If you have customer service, call your customer service, call your customer service multiple times a week, have your wife call, have your husband call, have your kids call, have your friends call. Like, seriously, seriously, <laughs> seriously, call, 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 call. Know, know who's good, know who's not good and get rid of who's not good. It's not, it, you, that's the front face of your company. That's who right. is talking. It's the crux of our business, not merchant accounts, not operations as much as me and Travis want to believe that. This is the crux of your business. Customer service can sell, they can break you, they can make you. It's very, very true. It's part of your branding. So making sure that oh. they, yep. I was going to just jump in because it's, it, it is that, right? It's not mm -hmm. just that, right? So mm -hmm. so this is this is all part of my idea of like, of setting and managing expectations, right? Because anywhere you have a break in the chain of expectation with your customer, that mm -hmm. it's going to lead to discontent or frustration. And that's ultimately going to be the cause of a, of a chargeback. So, so what I love about having good customer service inbound or outbound and with ears to the ground to listening to what those problems are, active listening and problem solving mentality, like we're talking about, mm -hmm. those are people who are going to identify where's their disconnect, right? Where, what's the expectation that people are having when they're, when they're watching the market material, right? And then there's a disconnect in what they receive, either it's the product or the presentation, or, you know, maybe they thought, gosh, I just paid uh, $50 for this. And now that I have it in my hands, I wouldn't pay more than 25, right? There's this, there's this value expectation that's different. So if you don't have your customer service team, they're just, if they're just saying, ticking a box and saying unsatisfied with the product, right? Or products unsatisfactory. It doesn't mm -hmm. tell you anything, nope. right? Um, so really understanding what it is, where is there a disconnect? Because every time you're talking to your customer or your prospective customer, it's an opportunity to either set or reset an expectation. And that's where I think the value of, of good customer service, working together with good marketing, working together with good fulfillment and email and follow-up and all that entire life cycle of that interaction with your customer. When you're looking at it more holistically, that is where you really have an opportunity to to really cut or minimize a, the amount of frustration or dispute with your customers, which mm -hmm. ultimately is going to reduce chargebacks and refunds both. And also giving them the ability to fix the problem. Yeah. So you'll never hear one of our customers, or you'll only ever hear it once, say, any one of our agents say, hold on a second, let me check and see what I can do here. You'll never hear that. They have the ability to do, that, do it themselves. So... Mm -hmm. If, if a customer called and we had this conversation and, hey, you know, I paid 50 bucks for this and this really only seems like it's worth 25 to me, never are they going to refund that. They're going to talk to them about it. We're definitely, they're going to have enough product knowledge that they can rebut that in a soft way, not too mm -hmm. aggressively. And then they can say, okay, Travis, I understand what you're saying. I know that you want a refund because you paid $50 for it. You just told me it's worth 25. Why don't we meet in the middle here? I'll go ahead and give you a $25 refund. 
you can keep the product and then you're happy with it because it's, it's the expectation that you had when you saw it was, Hey, I should have only paid $25 for it. Thank (laughs) you for that information. I already know how I'm going to not give you a full refund. Um, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying? Like the giving them, giving the agents the power to do that and monitoring them to make sure that they're utilizing it correctly. Because again, you know, it's up, it's up to you to manage, um, or your customer service manager, right? So if you have a customer service manager, it's their job, not necessarily you, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I, I, I agree with you fully because a VSL, I mean, let's, I think I can fly after the average VSL that I've watched. Um, I see Malaya's on the call, like I'll watch Stefan's and I'll be like, dude, <laughs> I can definitely jump off the balcony right now because I know how to fly with his supplements. But, um, so there are going to be heightened expectations and having your having a good customer service team that can come in and can, you know, not, I don't want to say mitigate against the marketing, right. But, but that can make the customer happy with what they have, because sometimes it's, Oh, okay. I understand what you're saying completely. We have this other product. Let me go ahead and send that to you. The two of those together. You know what I'm saying? Like it's mm-hmm. very, very easy to make people, you'd be surprised. Very easy to make being, uh, make people happy. And to go back to what you were saying, we take metrics on, I want to know everything. Even if they didn't refund, I want to know why they were going to refund. And then I want to know what you said to make them not refund because we're going to mimic that over and over and over again, constantly look at the metrics. Those of you who are, that are marketers that are making VSLs or, or text copy or whatever, you're constantly testing that. Why wouldn't you test customer service? Right. Because they really are a revenue producer if you utilize them properly. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. So one of the things that I kind of wanted to touch on um, is when we're looking, you know, kind of coming back to the idea of like refunds, right? When we're, when we're looking at ways to manage or mitigate refunds with customers. Cause sometimes, like you said, if we're testing on the outbound, right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> a crappy position to be in is, is, Oh, I'm glad you called. I'd like a refund. <laughs> and we've experienced that. We've experienced that. That's why you monitor it daily. Right. <laughs> That's so, why you have a good team. That's why you have a great, we, we are very fortunate that we have a very solid team on our side. Um, on the ground with the customer service agents, with you know our executive assistant who's looking at it daily, and then we're watching numbers weekly. So we've got people watching it per shift, right. per day, per week, and then the client who's seeing it per month. So we can respond very, very quickly, um, mm-hmm. depending on what's working and what's not. Yeah. Um, one of the other things we talked about is like the confidence, right, that our agents have. Um, and helping them develop confidence in the product, understanding it. Um, one of the tools that I know we have is this very detailed um, information, right? Where we have product knowledge about each of the products that our clients sell and mm-hmm. accessible quickly and easily uh, to our agents. I think that's something that is a very fantastic tool that's not that hard to put together, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then gives all the information that customers uh, or customer service team needs right at their fingertips quickly while they're talking to to a client or a prospective mm-hmm. customer. So do you want to, can you talk a little bit about that and, and the way that you go about producing those for our clients? Sure. I love that you give me all the credit. I don't do any of this, <laughs> but <laughs> I direct. 
Um, but what we, what we do, um, for, and, and it's for our clients as well, because it works great for them. We call it a knowledge center. I don't know where the hell it ever got its name. It's not very creative or clearly operations and not marketing, but it's just, all it is, is a spread. It's it, so it's a Google uh, sheet and it has multiple tabs. And so it'll have all the SOPs on one tab like how to process a refund, how to uh, process a void, how to email a customer in desk, whatever. And there's probably 50 or 60 of those sitting in there. And then there's uh, products by funnel. Mm -hmm. So we'll actually have a picture of the product, a link to the marketing side, a link to the thank you page, uh, I'm sorry, a link to the checkout page, a link to the thank you page. So wherever the customer is and is stuck, the agent can pull it up immediately. And whether you have one product or 120 products, you, you want that agent to be able to see it in real time because if someone's calling you, they're probably irritated. Right. Not, nobody makes a phone call. I mean, maybe right now people are making phone calls for no reason, but generally nobody makes a phone call for no reason. So um, if if our agents are putting them on hold and they're already frustrated, who here has made a phone call and got put on hold? Or the, the, when you call, I'm already getting irritated just thinking about it. When you call Delta to cancel your flight that obviously you need a refund on and you have to click 900 numbers to get to the person that you wanted to talk to and it's 15 minutes later, you're already pissed off because you have to click a bunch of numbers. So you want someone answering the phone in real time by the, by the third ring. We say the second ring, but by the third ring. And you want someone who can answer their questions quickly and adequately and not putting them on hold for three to seven minutes, three times during a call because they have no idea where to find the information. It's all right there. So we have SOPs. We have all the products, pictures of the products, everything about the products that can be found in two seconds. We have a tab that we call scripts, but it's actually not scripts. All it is is an outline. So if someone's calling because they want to refund a specific product, you have an outline of what you go through on that call um, for retention purposes, you know, not pissing the customer off. And any other related with that client for that team, any other related information, um, including how to document the metrics. So the metrics could be from what the customer said about the marketing to why the customer tried to refund to what you said or what you did. We're just documenting everything in a million um, different ways in one place, one spot, so that we can find it easily and quickly. Makes sense? I don't know if I explained that well. Knowledge centers are hard to explain until you see it, but it's a plethora of information that you can pull up in four seconds and command F is the best thing in the whole world. <laughs> Um, yeah, one of the other things that, um, I know we've run into, uh, with, with clients in the past is like, you'll have like fulfillment screw up, right. Or you have like an operational, like something just happens. Um, and I'm curious, like, you know, if you, if, if there's a particular story that you're thinking of, like, as we're one of the biggest screw ups that came up and how, how we were able to identify that quickly and to resolve it. So it didn't end up in a giant chargeback nightmare. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, so you want me to just tell the story of what happened? I would love that actually, yeah. I love stories. Okay. Story time, everybody, right. listen up. You, you know this story. <laughs> so uh, for one of our clients, uh, 
So our operations team, Travis had touched earlier on, we have a customer service team and we have an operations team. And the operations team does things like update spreadsheets that Travis and I can see in real time on our chargeback percentages or our refund percentages. Um, They also handle fulfillment. When customer service gets a void or a refund, having a direct line to the fulfillment center right in real time, hey, we just canceled this order, please do not send it out because your CRM does not do that. Um, and, and just, it, it's a small savings, but it's a huge savings, right? Um, so one of the things that we have our ops teams do for the clients that utilize them is they keep track of the inventory in a spreadsheet. So what they do is they'll pull it off Shopify or off Limelight, whatever. And this is how many sales we had today. This is how many bottles we had and fulfillment. And then the fulfillment company, we also require them to report back to us, right? What we have at the end of every day. So at end of day, this is how many bottles or this is how many packages you have in house. And that ops person looks at those two numbers. Well, our ops person called us one day at like 6.30 at night and said, hey, so I just happened to notice yesterday's sales were 294 bottles for X product. I'm not seeing that 294 bottles missing from their spreadsheet that they're reporting that they have in-house. However, I'm seeing 294 extra bottles from upsell one missing. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. basically they accidentally sent upsell one out as the core product, 294 bottles. So we knew this the day it happened. So instead of a plethora of customers in the next five to nine days calling and saying, this isn't what I ordered. You sent me the wrong thing, blah, blah, blah. There's a thousand plus bottles that have gone out, right? Right. It was very quickly and easily dealt with. We thought it was going to be a chargeback nightmare. We thought it was going to be a refund nightmare. But the products actually complemented each other, fortunately. So customer service... This happened on a Friday. We normally ran a two-person team out of, uh, so we had 12 uh, agents on that account. We normally run two people on Saturday, two people on Sunday at a time. Everyone came in that weekend and we relentlessly called those customers until we got a hold of them. We let mm-hmm. them know, hey, you're about to get the wrong product. Guess what? Our fulfillment company is going to go ahead and pay for that. <laughs> Please keep that as a token of our apology and the new product will be sent out to you on Monday, shipped to you expedited also on our fulfillment company. So sorry about that. It actually led to no chargebacks and no refunds. Right. It could have been a disaster if, and what a thing to notice, what a thing to notice was the bottle count was off. What a thing to notice it so quickly. So that was a life, life saving. (laughs) Life-saving, mid-saving, uh, mid-saving saving. which yeah. is life-saving, man. You can't <laughs> process money, you die. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, Emma, I, are, are there any other topics that we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure that we touched on um, on this? I feel like we kind of covered the core <laughs> things in a little bit you more. You did a really good job, actually, Travis. You did well. I think that um, it would be a great time to open this up to everyone else, if they have questions on how to implement, I think we've kind of gone over how we've implemented it. Um, mm. 
but I think uh, allowing people to ask questions on implementation, because that's our thing, right? We wanted to do this so that people could actually walk away with actionable steps yes, yes. that they could take. Um, we're talking about how we're doing things, but maybe for your business is a little bit different and maybe there's some nuances. We're happy to help figure that out um, if you have questions now. Yeah. Um, and so you're welcome to, to just kind of type those questions in if you want, or I'm not sure if there's another way to do that, honestly. Um, one of the things that I'm seeing is um, a note about uh, uh, utilizing or leveraging different customer service phone numbers. Do you see that there? I can't um, see the questions. Oh, I can only see from you, which was okay. distracting, by the way. All right. Well, perfect. Um, so um, uh, someone was talking about adding customer service phone numbers at every point in the flow of the journey that the customer is going through. So for that's example, what we do. Mm -hmm. right. We do that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a different uh, number, a different number right. for each one. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can identify at what point that they're having a question or problem pop up. When did we lose them that they thought they needed yes. to call? Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. So something on the, in the fulfillment box, something in the insert that's in the fulfillment package. So they're looking at it later. They've thrown the box away. Um, something uh, in the email confirmation, right. Or the credit card statement. So there's mm -hmm. a, at what point are they calling? Where are they reaching out? What's broken? Mm -hmm. Where are they finding your information when there's a problem happening? So that's a, that's fantastic. That's a good, uh, a good tip and a way to utilize customer service phone numbers effectively. And they're um, so cheap. It's like yeah. on ring central. It's like for, and just because I absolutely love the custom phone numbers, I don't even know how much the ones that they give you are. They're probably cheaper, but for the custom numbers, it's like 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. I make them all uh, some variation of my name, um, but but it's like thirty dollars for the phone number and then like five bucks to maintain it. That's it. Mm -hmm. it. It just makes so much sense to yeah. have those phone numbers out there so that you know where your where your biggest opportunities are for customer service to also jump in and save your sales. Mm -hmm. um, there's another question in here about, um, um, and I know we kind of talked about the knowledge center a little bit. Um, as far as like putting together something in like a, a Google sheet or Google drive, uh, type of file where it's easily accessible and searchable. Um, but also a question about favorite uh, platforms, um, or CRMs and what do we typically work with, with our clients or what do we, what do we often see and what do we like? In the sure. So let me just talk about the, the documentation process, which a lot of our clients look at me and ask me if I'm OCD. The answer yes. is yes, but, 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 um, it is helpful. And, and I'll explain why in a second. So here's how our customer service agents document. So number one, someone calls or emails, right? The first thing they're going to do is they're going to document. I'm going to talk about limelight cause it's the one we utilize the most. Sure. Um, but it, this works in, I believe every CRM. Um, so you go into the customer information, right? You document there. You always want notes there. And you not only want notes there, but you want to copy and paste the notes. Like if you go into Limelight and the customer uh, ordered your core product, upsell one and upsell two, I make the customer service copy and paste those notes of the customer calling in all three. Because if they call in later about upsell one, I want the agent immediately when they pull that customer up to know that you've talked to them. Mm. I want the entire order to be documented. It takes two seconds, but can save you later. 
so much later if they call back a week or two weeks after the fact. In addition to that, we have our metric sheet, which I just love Google Drive. Um, I know that there are people who use um, like Loom or they'll use Hubstaff. I personally love Google Drive. So all of the agents will have access to a um, Google Drive spreadsheet where it's name, time, I'm sorry, date, time, name of the customer, email address of the customer, the agent's name, why the customer called in, and then notes on that in particular call. So I have why the customer called in, it's refund, mm -hmm. and then it'll be customer did not refund, um, offered them, you know, partial refund of 25%, something like that. Um, and then in addition to that, every single customer we engage, whether it's by phone, by email, no matter what they call about, we go into, uh, and I'll just say, uh, service cloud. Again, there's groove, there's a hundred of them, but we'll go into service cloud and we will send that customer an email. Thank you so much for your call today, Travis. It was nice speaking with you. Glad I could answer your questions. Stop sending me stuff because it's too, it's, I can't do it. I can't, you can't do it. You gotta stop. Um, I'm not capable of two things at once, Travis. What's the um, <laughs> Distractions. <laughs> distraction, distraction. Yeah, exactly. You know this about me. So, um, so we'll, we'll document it by also having it in the email. So this way, and, and most of these platforms, by the way, when your customer emails in, the, the customer service agent can see all the emails. So I know that this customer called in, I'm Jen, and I see that he called, he emailed in and he asked Mandy two questions, or he called and he asked Mandy two questions because Mandy went and said, hey, just to put this in writing for you, I know that you had asked if the supplement came, you know, how many, how much count, the, you know, there's 90 bottles in 90 the, pills in a bottle. Right, 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 thank you. So just recapping what was said so that everyone knows what transpired on that call. Right. When the customer, if the customer calls back in again, and then the metrics as well. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Um, Adam was also pointing out in Limelight that, um, that right. really good analytics, right? Reporting on agents. And so you can just run that report once a month and just see, you know, where, where people are at from an agent perspective, how they're performing. It's so. at, he brings up a great point. Limelight has, um, I have, <laughs> I used to love when Adam worked with limelight he used to, his favorite thing to say with me did you get with your rep steve because i would go straight to adam like how do i do this what do i do for this mm -hmm. but but most of the crms do um work the same way getting with your account rep and understanding what you can it. actually do and how to use it can save you like the stupid things i was doing in limelight um because i just didn't know the capabilities to add and so adam is actually the one who sent me to chad who walked me through all these crazy reports you can do. It's important to, I think Shopify probably doesn't have a lot of those uh, funny little tricks there, but for sure the other CRMs do. So knowing how to use those is also super, super helpful. Right. And we actually take limelight and we, so we have a whole QA sheet that we use um, with our agents. So we listen to their calls, obviously we, we review their emails, but we also from our CRM, for all of our clients who have Limelight, we pull that data as well, just to kind of um, make sure it all correlates, right? Make sure it all flows with, oh, wait a minute, how did you, how did you document here that you had, you know, 87 customers that you spoke with this week, but right. over here in Limelight, I've only got 15, 
what's happening there. Um, just to point out, Limelight's no longer Limelight Sticky IO, just as a oh point of reference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to call it Limelight. I'm never going to call it Sticky. <laughs> stuck, you're stuck. Um, uh, another question that came in from Jennifer was uh, asking about um, uh, one of the comments that you were talking about is not setting limitations on uh, the customer service agents from allowing them to be able to talk, right? So you're giving them the opportunity to, to just- Oh, we set limitations. <laughs> right. So I we guess, just I give think... them the ability to solve the problem themselves. So there's a vast amount of things that they can do. Obviously, you can't give them more money than they spent. <laughs> and some will ask for that. Like we've actually had that happen. You wasted my time on invoicing you a thousand dollars because this didn't deliver. That's happened. So there definitely needs to be limitations, but you want them. Does that make sense? But go ahead and read right. the questions. Yeah. So she was just asking about like, um, you know, if your outbound calls, uh, if they don't have specific quotas or if there's like not specific time limits that you're setting on those, right? Um, do you have agents that are only dedicated to outbound tasks, right? Outbound calls, or do you have a budget, um, right? That's like an allocation essentially to reach, you know, certain objectives without having regulation. And then you kind of jump in with additional, you know, limits on that, or, or how, how do you manage that? Or how do you kind of monitor that? What's the, an agent schedule look like? You know, do you have a certain amount of time per day for out, outbound? Is there certain, mm-hmm. you know, is there a timing element on what you're doing with outbound calls? Um, you know, what, so, what are the metrics that you're looking at and how, and how do you monitor that? Or for that? us, for us, we're very fortunate with the um, uh, um, agency that we utilize. We're very, very fortunate because it's monitored by Ricardo. It's monitored by our, so we have a floor person that's all over, you know, over all of Shockwave. And then we have each team has a team lead. So we right. kind of have them managing that, but the way they do it, I don't want to make it seem like I'm doing all this because I'm, I'm definitely not. Um, I love taking all the credit, but I'm definitely not. But how they do it is, so basically we have, obviously there's sales teams over there and those sales teams are going to crush it. They have quotas. They have, you know, you need to be off the phone, you know, within this amount of time. Sales is very, very di- different than your customer service reps. We're talking about utilizing customer service reps that you're already got in seats paying. Why not utilize them the next step, Right. So basically, mm-hmm. basically what the team leads are doing uh, for, I won't talk about the client, but I'll talk about the girls. So I've got a team lead, Novalette, and she's got 12 girls under her and there's probably about five on at a time. If two are taking calls and there's not much more going on than that, and you know, one's doing emails, hey, you two, we're able to handle the calls, got, you know, make some outbound calls. And she's mm-hmm. sitting right there, right? So um, they're making the outbound calls And if the calls start to come in where she needs to pull one of them from doing that, or they slow down where she can put another girl on, she's, she's monitoring that based upon what's happening. So basically what we do is whether you have air call, you have ring central, I'm a bigger fan of ring central, but they all work the same is we're, I have three people on, I want three people on the phones, period. Right. So I mean, obviously there's, you can't have, if you're, you have three people working eight hours, three people are not going to be on the phone for eight hours. It's silly, but they should be on for five and a half or of that eight hours. Hour nine minutes. This Sorry. is why you don't run customer service, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we want to see, you know, five and a half hours or so for each one of those girls or agents 
on at a time. We want to see about five and a half hours of time utilized. So they sh they, your team, if you train them right and you choose them right, can self-manage a lot of this. And then you do quality assurance on the back end. And if they're not, you replace them because there's a lot of people right now that need jobs. A whole mm -hmm. lot of people right now that need jobs. So there's no reason to tolerate anything other than excellence. Even when we're not in a crisis, we don't tolerate anything other than excellence. And I think that that's kind of something is, is Travis and I have been talking to clients over, you know, over the past year is people won't stay. People won't do it. People, you know, fuck that. I'm paying them. They, they will do it. Or I won't pay them. They won't have a job anymore. That's the consequence of not doing your job. You don't have one anymore. And I think that's where we really struck gold with the team out in Jamaica is because they really care. Like they really care. I get these phone calls. I got one girl, Perry, love her. God love this girl. She'll call me and she'll be like, you know, this just isn't working. And, but, and she'll just go on this rampage and I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you guys sent down an email and 16 people called and it's because you said this in the email and it's like, okay, we won't send out that email anymore. She's pissed off at me that we sent out an email at customers that made customers angry. And she's so, she's so like, why are you pissing my customers off, Emma? Like it's the client and, and you want people who care that much. Like you want yeah. people that care that much. You want agents who want to come to work every day, whether they work from home or not. And they love their job and they believe in the product and love the product. I love Novalet. I, I love, she said this to me just a couple of weeks ago. We were just, we were talking about one of the products and she was like, the best part about my job is how many people have called in and told me that it changed their lives. And I love being part of that. It's a mm. dick pill, but okay. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> So that's, uh, you, if, you, if you were demanding excellence and you set that bar there, they'll either follow suit or you replace them. And that's, that's just, you know, that was a very long-winded answer, but so there it is. So one of the things <laughs> that I think kind of goes hand in hand with that is like, um, is again, we're talking about confidence in the product, right? And the mm -hmm. ability to have confidence. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so how do you, um, how do you, like, there's no shortcut into building that into the team, right? So there's like certain things that you're doing that help do that. And one of the things that I know that you do with our clients is you're going to Jamaica to do training, product training, making sure that they understand the product, right? We talked about that with the baked goods. We talked to, and we've done that with all of our clients. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's something I just kind of, I guess I'm pointing that out to people. Like you have to make sure that you are the one. They're passing. only, yeah, they're only as good as what you give them. Right. You, you can't, you can't expect someone to understand the product. And we didn't even talk about like FDA or FTC training when it comes to customer service. Cause that's, that's my jam. I love that. But, but, um, and I'm not just saying that cause the lawyer's on. Call. <laughs> um, I, it really is. I really do love that. Travis can tell you, I'd sit in the bathtub on Friday night. I mean, he doesn't know that other than that I've told him that was weird that I said that, but I like literally sit there and listen to customer service calls. Like that's what my weekend is, is listening to customer service calls. I think you should stop just, sharing that. It sounds really sad. It really does. Doesn't <laughs> it? I have an awesome life. I swear. Anyway. Um, but, but giving, giving them all of the ability, um, like I said earlier, touching the product, understanding how the product works. If it's something like, obviously you wouldn't give an ED product to a bunch of females, um, but if you're doing baked goods, like all of the girls have, you know, the ability to take that stuff home. When I come, not only are we going to bake it together, but they have stuff that they're going to 
take home and we're going to continue to send them for even for um, customers that we have with physical products, bracelets, whatever. Um, they have all those products in the shockwave room that's there. Like they, they can touch them. They can see them. They know what they feel like, what they smell like, as odd as that, as odd as that sounds. I mean, they know everything about the product and that's the only way to make this truly work and, and giving them hands-on training. So I, yes, I do go to Jamaica. I'm pretty sure every time I go, they all cringe. Um, <laughs> but we work really hard for a lot of hours in that training room and we, I'm, I pretend to be the customer and I'm going over and over and over with them, which builds that confidence that you were talking mm -hmm. about. If you can get through 15 fake calls with me, there is not a customer that's going to call you and trip you up on anything. And when you have eight to 12 uh, agents sitting around the table with you, and yeah. I've done 15 with everybody, there's yeah. nothing you can't answer. Nothing. Um, at least, at least, <laughs> you know, appropriate questions. There's nothing that you're not going to be able to answer and know how to answer confidently. Um, the only thing that we have them say, I'm a customer service agent, I can't answer that, is FDA questions. I apologize, I'm not a physician. You are calling customer service. You'd have to reach out to your pharmacist or your doctor. Anything else they should be able to answer without issue because you've trained them to do that. Mm -hmm. well, that kind of brings up, because we've talked about that before, but um, that's one of the tactics that you have trained with the agents to, um, if there's a question about that. Uh, about completing the order and then bringing it to their doctor, right? So why don't we, we have a, a 90 day refund policy or 60 day refund policy, right? So um, uh, let me, let's go ahead and get this product out to you so you can take it and you can review it with your doctor. And then if there's any questions or problems, we'll be happy, sorry, we'll be happy to take that back or you can send, do a full refund, right? Yeah, we do it a little bit, we do it a little bit softer than that. Um, Cause we don't want to, we, we want to back up, right? So okay. we do say, I'd love, you know, to get this product out to you today. I hear that you have some concerns, rest assured, if your physician or your pharmacist tells you that this isn't for you, you more than welcome to send this back to us. There's a 60 day money back guarantee, a 20, 120 day, 180, whatever, you know, we have plethora of them, whatever it Lifetime, is. Lifetime, permanently. Right. Right. No, no. Whatever. Um, we're happy to, you know, to take that back from you. No questions asked. And if they continue to persist, hey, you know what? I can just email you the label and you can jump over to your pharmacist or your physician and call me back. Uh, I generally like to tell the girls instead of say, and I just said, call me back, but I actually call and yell at them for saying that. Um, I, like, I like them to say, when is a good time for me to call you back and find out what they said? I'm really interested in hearing what they said about it. Now, I'm, I want to not, oh, I want to run this, you know, run your credit card for you. Just when is a good time? Because then it doesn't, it's not like this lingering thing like, oh, this is sitting in my email. I'll call when I get time. It's, oh, you know, I've got to call on this because this person is going to call me in two hours. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. And when we email it, when we email it to them, we email them the label and we say, Hey, just a reminder. So nice to talk to you. Hey, Travis, so nice to talk to you. Just a reminder. I'll be calling you at 2 PM central time. Um, I look forward to chatting with you and hearing what your pharmacist had to say. Perfect. Yeah. This is good. Uh, I don't know if there's any other questions here. Let me take a peek through. If there's anybody else that wants to drop in a question here, uh, I just want to give you one more moment to do that. 
And also for everyone on the call, we're going to be sending out the recording of the call after we remove the first five minutes while we were talking bad about everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but really, after we remove the first five minutes, it is just Travis and I talking through things. Um, we'll send out the call. And then also, uh, Julie will be making like bullet point notes and sending that out as well. So you should get that in about 24 hours. All right. Uh... <laughs> so uh, there's a question here about, uh, do we have agents uh, test the pumps that we, our clients have? So here's what we did. And Ricardo's on the call, he can verify this. We had a big fish tank, it's a, it's a water-based penis pump. We had, a, did Adam ask that question? I bet it was Adam, wasn't it? No, it wasn't it? Adam. <laughs> okay. So, sorry, Adam. You tried to throw you under the bus, Adam. Sorry, man. So, <laughs> so huge, huge fish tank filled with water. And then we had, um, because this in particular client actually does tons of videos. So there's this uh, like model from the waist down with a flaccid penis, I think is how you're supposed to say it. And the girls each walked up to the, and this actually was all girls on this customer service team. I, yeah. Um, so they put the penis pump on the fake like penis. I, yeah. I, my husband's looking at me going like, how the hell did you get here? Um, <laughs> but they put it on and then they pump it so that they know what it feels like and what it looks like, how to get it incorrectly, how the water should flow out correctly. And they did this with the client five times each so that when people called and were having issues, and by the way, any girl that giggled, was replaced. Mm -hmm. Anyone who couldn't handle it, couldn't handle the, you know, you don't, you don't want someone laughing at you when you call and saying it's pinching your balls. Like you want someone who can have the conversation totally, with you. I would totally be. I know you can't, I understand <laughs> you can't. Um, but we had them, we had them understand exactly how to utilize it, use it, utilize it, use it um, correctly so that they knew and they, they knew how much water should be shooting out. They knew how much water should be filled inside. Like they understood exactly how it should work. And they have these conversations every single day. Mm -hmm. So fantastic. Good questions. Good. Well, um, on that note, yeah, that's the let's not take end. any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cause you could have just not read that one, Travis. No, it's better. It was more fun. Um, well, we, again, we just wanted to thank everybody for joining us on this. Um, it was fun to kind of run through this. Uh, if you have any more questions, uh, feel free to email us. Um, Emma, we're going to make sure that we have our contact information at the bottom mm -hmm. of the notes that uh, mm -hmm. Julie's going to fire out. Mm -hmm. And so feel free to reach out to us. Uh, if there's anything we can do to help you, um, uh, if you have questions, any, anything at all, please reach out anytime. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I tried implementing this and I missed a step. What's going on here? We're happy Perfect. to, it might take us a little bit to get to it, but we will definitely get to it for sure. Yeah, that's gonna go to Emma, by the way. <laughs> they all know, Travis, they all know. But merchant processing questions, I can, I can definitely help you there. Yeah, so, for all sure. right. Well, thank you guys again. Um, and with that, I think we're gonna wind up for today and uh, please feel free to join us the next time we do this. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Shockwave Solutions, please visit our website, Follow us on Facebook or email Emma at shockwavesolutionsllc.com.